Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I want to invite you to get ready to say yes. One of the most exciting and life-shaping words people say today is yes. And when we say yes to God, we become exactly who we were made to be. God is always inviting us to be his friend and to be his partner. It is an invitation to get close to him and then join him in what he wants done. Saying yes to friendship and saying yes to partnership changes everything. We're going to meet people whose yes to God has shaped their very lives and the lives of so many others. We will be encouraged, inspired, and we're going to find new ways to say yes to a friendship and partnership with God. So grab your coffee, get yourself to the gym, get ready for that bike ride, or do whatever you do when you take in a podcast and join us today as we say yes and become. Hey, welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I am uh, really honored to have my guest today. Uh, I was trying to figure out how long we've been friends and partners in ministry over the years. It has been uh, about 32 years. Was it 1990 we met? Yeah, 90 at a Billy Graham School of Evangelism. Man, that is uh, that was like down in uh, Monterey or someplace. Yeah. And uh, we became friends uh, through, uh, you were moving to Elk Grove, if I remember right, mm-hmm. to, to uh, look at planning churches and starting some stuff there. And you were uh, coerced into the dark side and became a staff member at Youth for Christ. <laughs> so uh, my guest today is Bud Locke, and um, he and I have been friends, like I said, for a long time. Uh, I His family's an amazing family. His wife, Kara is is uh, an exceptional educator from the classroom to the administrative side, and uh, they are committed to uh, whatever community they live in. And I'm really, really uh, happy. I mean, I put a list of things together that I know you've done. Um, I put here that you have planted churches, that you have uh, um, worked with gang kids in Sacramento, that you have uh, done student ministry, uh, that you were a missionary to Columbia, that you've pastored some churches, uh, both through transition and into health, that you've been a, a great denominational voice for the Evangelical Covenant, uh, that you're a husband, father, that you are a dive instructor. Um, and also, uh, I think you might be uh, the smartest man I know. Uh, your insights have always been uh, encouraging to me, but all of those things, I like to say, this is my friend, Bud Locke, but if I missed anything or didn't read it exactly as you wrote it, uh, tell me, uh, tell us about you. Well, uh, I think you hit everything. I, um, my big thing is I was born in the Bay area, uh, grew up in the Bay, San Francisco Bay area, uh, moved out for a few decades. And now I find myself back in the Bay area. Uh, as an empty nester with my wife. And so mm. we're loving being back home. Wow. That is so great. And how long have you and Cara been married? Uh, 34 years. Next yeah. year's 35. Man. And, uh, and I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to intrude upon you. If you don't want to answer the question, you don't have to, but um, it's one of my favorite, how I proposed uh, stories. Um, tell that real quick. Uh, real quick yeah, well we were can. we were in college at the time uh, it was uh it was heading into halloween uh weekend i took car on a little date on the beach at night we were sitting on the beach and knelt down to propose to her open the ring box and the ring box was empty 
and uh just you know just i was you know playing up that i was embarrassed she's looking at me shaking her head felt bad for me and everything else and then a few minutes later we had uh, a guy from our suite in uh at in my dorm uh come out of the water in full scuba gear walk up the beach and hand us uh the ring and so it was the big surprise <laughs> at the end there oh gosh i love that story i can see her shaking her head at you even now uh going like do i she feel sorry for him <laughs> i'm sure she does uh <clears throat> there's uh i always say that all all wives have a look that they've mastered they look at their husbands shake their head and the look is the called the what are you 12 look yes. uh yeah you know, and sometimes the answer is yes i am uh hey i'm super glad you're here today we're gonna um uh just tell everyone who's listening that uh if you're new, you don't know this. If you're not new, you already heard me say this a thousand times. We're called Say Yes and Become because uh, I live under the premise that the very best thing you can do uh, for in your life is to say yes to God. And God has very two very specific invitations. Uh, one of them is come be close to me. Just be my friend. Jesus actually said it this way, abide in me. Uh, the law says it this way, um, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just get close to God. Uh, and the second invitation or second yes we can say to that invitation is is be my partner. Join me in what I'm doing. Um, from creation, God told Adam and Eve, I got a job for you to do. Join me in it. Um, and the Bible might say it this way uh, in the law, love one another, uh, love others as yourself, or hey, bear some fruit. And so we just kind of function off of that reality. And uh, so, Bud, my first question to you is this. What are some significant yeses that you have said in your life and maybe how have they influenced other people and yourself even? Well, the starting off, the most significant yes I ever said in my life was uh, going to Mexico uh, in high <laughs> school. It really was. It was in high school. I uh, was doing my own thing. I had my own goals, my own life. Uh, everything I wanted to do. And uh, I had attended church, but really wasn't following Jesus, just mm. went because I was dragged to church. And our youth pastor talked me into going on a Mexico missions trip with him. And it was in the back of a dirt floor church in, a, in the village of San Luis, not the big city of San Luis, but the village of San Luis, just south of Medicali, um, that I said yes to God. And I uh, agreed that from now on, my life is going to surround you. Hmm. And little did I know on the trip home, that same youth pastor would say, hey, have you ever thought about going into ministry? And yeah. so, uh, <laughs> What a jerk, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. So that was that was the biggest yes. Uh, and from then on, it's, it's just a series of yeses. And uh, yes, to go into school. I had I had moved out of my house when I was still in high school. I was living on my own. I didn't know how I would pay for college, and I went ahead and and enrolled in in, a, in an expensive private school because <laughs> I knew that they would prepare me for ministry, and I had no clue how I was going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I knew that's what God was calling me to do. I knew God was calling uh, me to marry Cara, even though I mean I didn't have a job yet. I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't know. But we we move forward in that um, living living in Sacramento in South Sacramento, um, just saying yes to being 
white people in uh, a very uh, diverse and at that time a very uh, gang ridden area and uh, um, and said yes to him there and then in ministry and saying yes in in um, to Colombia and so my my big thing saying yes to Cara I kind of overlooked that but that was a huge thing for me because that gave me somebody else uh my problem isn't saying yes um my problem (laughs) is usually trimming down the yeses that i say and cara's been very good at helping me discern pray through and work together and where is truly god asking me to go and where are just things that hey that'd be fun and let's try it out yeah yeah, I, I can uh, I can relate to that a little bit. Uh, you know our story. So um, yeah. so as you have uh, listed there saying yes, a lot of yeses. Why do you think, uh, by the way, this is not on your list. Why do you think for you saying yes is easier? I, I think I'm a possibility guy. Uh, and I, I tend to have a lot of energy. Uh, I'm an Enneagram 8, which mm-hmm. is kind of, a lot of energy, a lot of move. Let's go. Let's make a difference. Let's, and naturally, that's who I am. Yeah. And I think recently, uh, this may be a twist on it. Uh, the biggest thing God's been uh, asking me to do or to say yes to is learn how to say no. Mm. Is I've really been working on um, that whole philosophy of stopping something before I start something new. Yeah. And how do we reduce down what we're doing? And it doesn't just mean saying no and sitting back doing nothing, but saying no purposefully. Hmm. What is God asking me to trim down? What is God asking me to pass over? I love the John 15 text you quoted with Mm -hmm. Jesus saying, abide in me. Um, I love that because there's this idea that uh, so much that I find in life that I have to sit back and go, is it really bearing fruit? Mm. And I think at my um, older age, not old age, but older age, uh, I've, I've been able to embrace the honesty of going, you know what, that part's not bearing fruit. It's okay mm. to trim that away. Yeah. yeah I, I, uh, I actually respect that a lot. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on uh, writing things and, and, uh, I keep saying it before I start to write anything, but I always write less is more, mm-hmm. uh, less is more, you know, I'm, I never run out of words. So finding it easier for you to say yes. Um, so in that you're oftentimes your yes is framed in saying no to other things. Um, mm-hmm. That's a big connection to the spirit of God. Um, that's huge because uh, there's no lack of great things to do as a pastor, as a ministry leader, as somebody who bears the image of God, and as somebody who lives their whole life that way. Uh, and so you said that one of the litmus tests you use is to, is it bearing fruit? And mm-hmm. I've been doing mm-hmm. this and that's that's how you know how to weed the garden, so to speak. Um, is it bearing fruit? Uh, is there anything else you use to measure uh, where a no is going to be strategically applied besides Cara, because uh, we both know she's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, one of the things that I've really learned to do over time, and I wish I did this much earlier in ministry, was taking time away just to ponder mm. 
what is going on in life? What is going on in my life? What is God asking me to? What is God asking me to say yes to? What is God asking me to prune? You know, what, what, what branches need to be pruned? They may, they may have great leaves. They may be alive, but they're not bearing fruit. And so what needs to be pruned in that? Mm. So taking that time, looking at fruit. The other thing I tend to look at is um, how is saying yes to this still embrace my limitations? Mm. Um, I tend to be somebody who will dive two feet into something and then discover I'm limited in what I can do there. (laughs) And so uh, ahead of time, figuring out uh, what are my limitations in saying yes to this. Um, I've found even in relationships, I found I've said yes to people. Oh, yeah, I can help you do that. Oh, yeah, I can help you do that. And I don't stop to think of either schedule or health or whatever's going on that creates a limitation. Or maybe I just don't know that. And I need to, right. I need to, need to work on that first. Yeah. I, I kind of liken it to being in your twenties and having a truck and everybody asks you to move them. And then <laughs> yeah. as you get older, you sell the truck and you learn to say, no, I don't have the capacity to move you anymore. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and the key that I found in, 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 uh, in my walk with God is uh, maybe I have a truck but maybe I can't carry the things anymore, mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and yeah. learning out, learning that. Yeah. I could say yes to, uh, I could drive a truck, but I can't carry your dresser with you up and down two flights of stairs to get it into the back of the truck. That right. you're going to need to find somebody else yeah. and embracing my limitations and being able to say, um, I could do that. And that happens in ministry. We do that a lot as pastors. Somebody comes up to us and, Pastor, could you help me with this? Or this is a program that needs to happen. And in the back of your mind, you're going, okay, this can happen. And then you start to realize, oh man, I have limitations. Mm -hmm. What did I commit myself to? Uh, I really don't know all that much about discipling uh, women. I I don't know. didn't know anything about women when I was a teenager and I still don't. And so it's hey, like it's a, that's progress because now yeah, you admit it. Exactly. Now I now I'm consciously incompetent. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a book right there. Uh yeah. consciously incompetent. I'm yeah. aware of what I don't know. Yep. So um I think that's amazing. You're 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 alluding to uh this um and you're saying that God has a voice and that mm-hmm. voice is, um, is real. It's authentic and you recognize it. Um, but you're also saying that, that you don't always recognize it. So you have to have these other pieces in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does, what does God sound like to you? Well, first of all, I had to develop habits in my life to hear God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for decades i was that guy who you know gets up early would read the bible for you know half hour 45 minutes an hour every morning be be ready to go and head into my day what i was finding is that by 2 p.m uh i would completely forget what i read earlier (laughs) that day and it wasn't uh it was no longer shaping my thoughts and my actions Mm -hmm. and my reactions and so i started embracing you know what what 
historical church calls the the daily offices or mm-hmm. plant fixed hour prayer and fixed mm-hmm. hour reading to where in the morning I I spend a, an amount of time reading the word and praying and then I'll I'll take a break in midday and usually around one between one and two and I get back into the word usually mm-hmm. that time it's a psalm uh, and then I'll pray through that just to kind of give me that refocused perspective to keep throughout the day. Mm. And then in the evening, I'll, I'll do a light um, kind of review of my day and see uh, how I was living that out and how, where did I see God at work and where did I miss God? At work. Mm. And I found that that does a couple of things. Number one, it keeps me in God's word, keeps it fresh in my mind, keeps it fresh in my memory, gives me something to think about, gives me something that I'm reminded of in the middle of conversations or meetings. And I go, oh, wow, that was a timely word. The second thing it does is it makes me aware of circumstances and perspectives that are happening. Um, I'm, I'm naturally an impatient guy. Uh, we have probably down the street from our house, one of the slowest grocery stores in the world. Uh, <laughs> you can have you can have 16 people waiting to be checked out and there will only be two lines open. I mean, and that, and they are slow. And I, you know, I used to go in there and go, and then I started avoiding that store and I was like, ah, but I need to go to that local store. Well, then, uh, one day after, after reading the word and I had to swing by the grocery store, I'm going, okay, I'm going to deliberately Lord open my eyes to see what you're doing. Open my eyes to see what happens. Uh, in that line, I ended up talking to uh, uh, a young guy who just got out of school, uh, walked over the couple blocks to the store, picked up some stuff for his friends. And uh, we were talking about um, his sports. He is a football player. We were talking about the different things God was doing uh, as he was playing football. And I just kept saying, he'd go, this is happening. And and I said, well, how are you maturing? How are you do the teamwork? And I said, you know, I believe that's a gift from God. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, I never thought of it that way. And so uh, it was just a great conversation, yeah. all because I took the break to go, okay, God, what are you doing in this moment? Wow. You know, and I love that, um, the offices of the day and then being able to see God in your uh, in your real time. You know, the, I got a friend who talks about Kronos and Kairos time mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. you know, Kronos is your watch, your month, your calendar. And Kairos yep. is when God steps in at the very moment and you recognize him. Uh, I really yep. like that. It's a real time faith with real people. Um, yeah. That's incredible. Uh, and that all comes from. And you even see Jesus talking about that. Yes. You know, Jesus, Jesus talks more about moments than he does talk about time of day. You yes, know, the yeah. Mark one fifteen, where John's put in prison. Okay, this is a moment. Something's right. happening here. The right. time has come. The Kairos has come. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now we're gonna, yeah, yeah. I, I I can see that the Book of Acts is actually filled uh, mm-hmm. with that. Even though it's it's a yep. it's a loose chronological tale of of the early church, it is also. Uh, filled with just these moments, this yep. moment here. And, yep. you know, what do we do now? Let's pray now, you know, and and uh, that's an incredible insight. I think people want to know, um, what does God sound like? I don't, because you, there's a there's a certain level of trust you have to have in your faith to be able to say, I'm confident that was God's voice. 
in the sense of going, well, am I crazy? Because uh, I think both of us have done things that we went, I'm confident that was God, but everywhere else it looks crazy. Right. Uh, you know, and, and the scripture are filled with people who had those moments, sell everything you have and go to a land that I'm not telling you about yet. And by the way, I'm going to change your name and your wife's <laughs> over there by a well and so on. You know, it's uh, those are those are important things. And so how though you build your confidence in hearing God's in knowing it's God's voice through daily, daily pauses at the well, sitting right. in front of God, hearing the word of God, taking those times. Um, is there anything else that you'd say to somebody listening that's going, man, I, I feel like God might be asking me something big. Uh, I need to make sure it's him. Well, for me, and, and um, I think when God calls me to something, it's a reminder that I'm limited and he's mm. unlimited. Mm. Um, it, it, if there is something that's on my perspective, on my horizon, a possibility, an opportunity, and it is something that I sit back and I go, oh, I could do that. I could crush that. Mm -hmm. It probably isn't from God. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's yeah. probably just me going, I'm going to, I'm going to hit that out of the park. Right. And whereas God, I think every time I say yes to God, it increases my dependence on him. Hmm. It increases my devotion to him. Uh, you know, it just, it just increases that love. It increases that dependence. Um, you know, and, and it just keeps me moving. And I think, uh, and realizing that he's the one in charge, yeah. um, how many times, you know, when I say yes to God, I look back and I go, oh my goodness, that, that was not me because there's no way I, I could have done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we prayed, I, 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 you know, me, I'm not a big, uh, charismatic guy. I'm not a big Pentecostal guy but but there was a, a young man um we were on a trip uh last summer i prayed over put my hand you know lord heal him i didn't think anything of it and this was a a guy who couldn't hear mm. and he then was able to hear uh because three of us it wasn't just me it was three of us prayed over him and we just walked away going yeah that it wasn't our prayer that did it it wasn't us that did it it was god God, God healed them. Yeah. I've prayed over people and they get, you know, a week later, they're worse. They're in their emergency <laughs> room. I'm going, what are you doing, Lord? But this, in this case, I really went, wow, this is God. God did yeah. something amazing. And that's the part of, uh, and we're talking about just being yes to partners with God is, mm -hmm. you know, I think Henry Blackaby and experiencing God said, look for where God is working and join yep. him. And we, that's sort of our, our, our thought process. Um, to live as partners with God continually is to pray over people who don't get healed and to pray over people who do get healed. It's not to heal somebody no, because um, that's up to God. The, right. My partnership is expressed in prayer. And yep. so I love that. <clears throat> and so, um, so now you said yes to God in your, uh, in going to Mexico, um, Yes, to a youth pastor who told you it was God uh, to go to Mexico. <laughs> then on the way back, he he hits you alongside the head. Have you ever thought about ministry? Um, we've all been in ministry and we've seen something in somebody and went, let me throw that seed in and see what grows out of it. 
And out of that has grown uh, going to Bible College, a great school, mm-hmm. Westmont. We can give a shout out to Westmont and uh, uh, and then pursuing ministry, uh, Billy Graham School of Evangelism, then moving to uh, Northern California to or to to Elk Grove and then the Sacramento area, joining the staff of Youth for Christ. And that's where we really kind of cut our our teeth as friends. Uh, we both worked with kids that were very unique very different yeah. yet, uh, had a lot of similarities. Uh, so now you are on this journey. Um, uh, and then, uh, God began to speak to you. You went back to school and got your, your MDiv, right? Yep. And yep. Uh, at the same time, that was a part of the transition into church work. Right. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. So, um, I just really felt like, uh, and part of it was saying no, you know, mm-hmm. part of it was, um, seen with Youth for Christ, and it was still going well, but I did see uh, some of the fruit wasn't there as much as it was in earlier. Uh, looking back at it, um, you know, there's different reasons for it. I think um, when I was younger, you know, it, it, I think looking back now, I could go, yeah, I, I probably should have seen that better. But um but back then when you're thinking ah, I could do anything and, and make it happen, uh, you're not thinking that way. But, um, and so I trans transitioned, uh, into church ministry mm-hmm. and worked at a local church and then helped out with a, a church plant, uh, outside the city, uh, up in the suburbs and did that and just felt that God was calling, um, me to plant a church, calling us to plant a church. Cara and I yeah. both talked about it, prayed about it. And when we planted in uh, Sacramento in uh, the late 90s, uh, we could not find a church that had been planted within 23 years mm. of us pl- in downtown Sacramento. Wow. And so we were kind of starting. Now there's tons. I mean, it's, it's going gangbusters. Love to see uh, what God is doing now. But, uh, back then people were like, why do you want to plant? And they, Wait, nothing's going on down there. And I was like, that's why Yeah, I think God's calling us to. Yeah. Well, you know, we planted in North Highlands at the same time. Yeah. I think we were about same a year thing. ahead of you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and we were trying to figure out from the school district, what's your policy on renting to churches? And they said, we don't know. No one's ever asked yeah, exactly. uh, what's going on here. So, yeah. Um, and, um, you did some mission work in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you there three years? Uh, we were only there a year. A year. So okay. We were there a full year. Uh, well, 14 months. Okay. And uh, um, yeah, worked with uh, church planters for a few years before I was going down doing some work. And then a few years after I continued to do work. But, okay. Yeah. Um, how, how did that shape you? And the way you say yes here in the U.S., because I think one of the things that's missing in a lot of pastors today is is no international experience. So they see the world through a lens Mm. that is only monocultural, even though we have a diverse culture in America, um, they they don't see the bigger picture of the world. So you come back and now you go to a city that is uh, what, 60, almost 60 percent Hispanic. Yeah, uh, in Stockton. Yeah. yeah. And so how did going to Columbia going uh shape the way you pastor uh as a more global leader possibly? Well, I, 
I think it helped me as a, as it within uh, cross-cultural, multicultural ministry and understanding people, asking questions, don't, you know, catching yourself when you jump to conclusions, because there are a lot of things that happen in our culture or in our life or that we react to because the way we grew up, uh, that isn't necessarily the way the other person's feeling or talking or experiencing it because they came from a totally different background. So it's, mm. it's not even just a multicultural skill. I think it's, it's a skill just among people yeah. um, is that we assume we have a commonality mm-hmm. when sometimes we don't. Mm. And so um, it, and to really listen and to discover what's going on uh, in a person's mindset or in a person's perspective. Um, I think that was a, that was a huge thing for me. Uh, I think working with a church uh, that was a hundred years old, their community had changed so much. Uh, they went from a very post-war Anglo returning soldier community to now it's much more diverse, very uh, Latino um, and trying to help them discover what that looks like. I think in the changes in the U S mm-hmm. uh, from when I left, uh, you know, there always were some cultural shifts happening, generational shifts happening. I think even in that year we were gone during the, the crash in 2009, the economic, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, <laughs> depending on which economist or, or politician <laughs> you talk to. Uh, but, but we came back and it was very different. And yeah. so there was a different mindset. There was a different perspective. And so to come in and work that and, and then come back and think of yourself as a missionary, less yeah. and less as an insider and more and more as a missionary. Mm. I'm here with a kingdom perspective. I'm here with a, with a, uh, a perspective on what is God doing and how is God at work yeah. and not so much how can I, you know, change just the 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 cultural landscape but really change the perspective and spiritual landscape of a community wow. and as an ambassador uh, you know that that's the interesting thing about ambassadors is they live there they're part of that but they really aren't from there yeah and so yeah. they're and they really talk about the, more their homeland and their home and so becoming that kingdom ambassador i'd say the second thing though in saying yes to god um uh, is Colombia was um, a time of incredible personal um, calamity for me. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, our family, our, our, uh, uh, you know, my, my daughter had a very bad experience in Colombia mm. uh, with things like abuse and all that. Mm. And, and we had to come home early because of that. We, you know, I, I'd actually envisioned hey, we'll be in Colombia for a while. Uh, Carla was like, yeah, maybe two years, maybe three. Uh, I was like, yeah, this could be a lifetime. And when this happened, um, it really was one of those things that I had to uh, figure out what is God doing in the midst of this? Yeah. How do I respond in the midst of this? And how do I, how do I be faithful in the midst of this? Because in one end, I, I, I really felt like God's calling me to Colombia. This is what God's calling me to. And I believed that 
when I move there and this is it. And now um, I have this, this emergency that's mm-hmm. happened in the family. And I know that God's called me to be a father yeah. and God's called me to take care and protect my daughter. And God's called. So it, it, it was a, it was that it was the first time I'd really come across what I believed were competing callings. Mm. That there was competition here. That yeah. that I could not figure out how to do both. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's a that's a. You know, you say it on a pastoral level, on a missionary level, on a high level, but I actually think that uh, anybody who's heard the calling of God. It struggles with that in different places. You know, I just sat with a guy the other day who said, I was always taught that it was God first, family second, everything else, work is third. And the conversation ended with um, a reordering just to say, what if you just said it was God? Yes. You know, because he, he he addresses all those, not in a hierarchy, but as a stewardship part of your stewardship. Yep. And uh, your your decisions uh, to return home uh, were really an expression of stewardship uh, more than mission. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that that's a great way of putting it, Leonard. Is is once I discovered, uh, similar to what I talked about earlier, is is the idea of the offices helped me realize that there are situations and circumstances mm-hmm. in which God may move and God may be at work and being able to recognize that is that's really what that decision process in Colombia ended up becoming mm-hmm. is, okay, how is God calling me to steward the life and the lives, you know, plural yeah. that he gave me yeah. and he gave me my life, but he also gave me the life of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, that I have a responsibility for. And you know me, I don't mean this in some macho way. I just mean this in a parenting way, Cara and I together, Mm -hmm. uh, how did God ask, call me to steward this, uh, what he gave me. And so um, I love, I love the way you put it there. And, and it, 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 you know, I, and it's hard because you Mm -hmm. get some people who you, you know, I had one person, point blank say you know you're telling me that god called you so wouldn't going home be disobedience to god yeah and i just looked at it and i said I, my problem is isn't that um, isn't a, an issue of obedience disobedience right now right my problem is an issue of how do i care for what god gave me yeah yeah and and you know, I didn't use the word stewardship, but that that's a great way to, to say it. But a certainly liberating way. I um mm-hmm. uh I remember when you were heading off and all I could think of uh was, well, dang it, I'm never gonna see him again. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I have always uh always valued our 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 conversations, wishing that we could do it more, but knowing that, you know, I live in Tennessee, you live in the Bay Area. But when you come through, we've had a couple times to just pause and have some yeah. good food and meet and talk. And every one of those conversations uh, makes my life better. Um, and so when you 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 come home now, you take a church. It's what you've been trained to do. So it's not like you're looking and going, well, I think I'm just going to go work for AT&T. 
yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that, all my AT&T friends, but um, uh, you take a church and uh, some, some of the responsibilities you have in ministry, if you've never sat in a senior pastor chair, it's crazy. I spent 21 years in that chair and uh, it's, it's a very difficult chair to sit in. Um, and unless you sit there, a lot of people don't know. So you've got these responsibilities, again, stewardship there and uh, a transition back into the States. Um, how did, uh, how did uh, those offices and just pausing to hear God and reflect on God, um, how did they serve to guide you and to help you steward your family? Yeah. I wasn't on the list uh, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so every time the, the interesting thing about transitions is they allow you an opportunity to kind of rebuild your rhythm, hmm. to rebuild your predictable patterns. And so when you transition from, uh, when we transitioned from Columbia to, to Stockton, it allowed us to sit down and go, okay, what, what's valuable? What are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to create our patterns as a family together? Mm. And our kids were in high school uh, when we moved back to Stockton. And so we were able to write in some of that where you're able to write in, okay, this is how we're going to do it as a church. Uh, this is how I'm going to live my life. Um, when we moved back uh, to Stockton, I re-engaged with a lot of the, um, some of the pastors that we planted with. Um, when I was, uh, when I planted in the late nineties. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, we do an annual retreat. In fact, next week's that retreat and we get away and we do, uh, well, you know, some of these guys, Greg yeah. Krieger yeah. And, and those guys. So we all get away, uh, next week and we, we hang out on the coast and we pray together. We read scripture and then we do our own thing during the day and we come back at night and, and share what God has done. So, that it enabled me to create that rhythm. Mm. Uh, it enabled me to create. And then it also, the cool thing about Stockton is it also, uh, because Kara ended up working uh, eventually at the school just down the street from the church, mm. it ended up us really being able to blend kind of this church life and the school life together mm. and go, okay, how God are you working uh, between this elementary school and this church? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're going to do this, uh, but we're going to take a break. Uh, and when we come okay. back, I'm going to ask you a question to now that you can respond to. Um, there is uh, there's somebody out there who is, they're just convinced that they said yes to God. And you've been answering this all around it. Just say something specific. Uh, they're convinced that what God said is yes, or that they've said yes to it. Um, but it isn't going like puppies and rainbows. It's just not smooth. It's tough and there's decisions and they're conflicted. Um, can you encourage that person when we come back? Yeah. All right. Hey, we have a sponsor. We're going to hear from him and or from our sponsor, Papa's Roast Coffee, and we'll be right back. We all know there are certain experiences that will bring to the surface a memory, an emotion, a warm feeling, or just good thoughts. For me, it's a pristine sunrise. 
the scent of freshly baked brownies, a meaningful song that reminds me of friendship or just being well-loved. Do you want to know what enhances each of these experiences even further? I'll tell you, what enhances each of these experiences is a great cup of coffee. That's why I love Papa's Roast Coffee. My friends, Dean and Debbie Chris, get their coffee from a single origin and roasted in small batches for that perfect flavor and shine in every bean. If you like coffee, then you're going to love Papa's Roast. Order some today at www.papasroast.com. It's roasted to perfection, shipped in eco-friendly bags, so enhance each of your daily experiences with an amazing cup of Papa's Roast today. We're back. Hey, thanks. I'm talking with uh, Pastor Bud Locke. He is a good friend and a longtime ministry partner. And uh, I asked him a question before we before we went to break. And the question was that there's somebody out there who has said yes to God. And it is just as though all hell is broken loose in their life. And that there is a, a definite, definitive struggle to stay in that yes, or even to believe that the yes, that there was God's voice. And so, Bud, would you would you talk to that person um, and and maybe pastor them a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, it, when we say yes to God, I think we need to realize that our yes isn't in isolation. Mm-hmm. That there is something that is happening in the grand spiritual scheme of history yeah. when you say yes to God. When you say yes to follow him, when you say yes to do something in obedience to him, when you say yes to to uh, uh, to a partner, when you say yes, I mean, when when you say yes, there's something that's happening there. We need to realize that there are um, pressures and forces and voices that are going to always be pushing against that. Hmm. Uh, one of those one of those forces is is just. You know, scripture talks about Satan. He just, mm-hmm. he just, he's going to always create doubt. He's going to create insecurity. He's going to create all of this, this havoc in the midst of your certain yes. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we see in scripture too, is the world around us. Yeah. The world is not flowing in the direction of the kingdom. Yeah. And so uh, just naturally the world is going to work against that. Yes. And so it takes work. It takes perseverance. It takes uh, determination to continue in that yes against the stream of the world around you. And then there's always going to be just kind of your flesh, just the battle that you have of temptations and the flesh. And maybe it was the way you were raised and there's something going on in there that always keeps coming up or or any of that. Just uh, we call that our sinful nature. Uh, that is always going to be battling against that yes. And so I think we need to realize that. And it helps us to realize that because we're able to go, oh, I could point to what's happening here. Well, I could point, oh, that 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 is culture telling me this is the way I should go. But God said this. So it's going to take work to go upstream. Yeah. Uh, this is this is my flesh. This is my upbringing. These are these are the insecurities that I brought with me that's coming right now. I'm going to speak against that and call out to God to speak mm. into that. Yeah. But just as there are those three kind of adversarial voices in us, those three voices against the against our yes, we also have 
three sources of voices that go with us that, mm. that kind of keep speaking into us. And that, the first one is God's word. You have God's word. Stay in God's word. Stay nourished by God's word. I love Eugene. The title of Eugene Peterson's book on uh, contemplating and reading God's word is called Eat This Book. Mm, I yeah. love that. It's just just eat that book. Eat it up. That's what's going to nourish you in the midst of the, these times and give you strength. The second thing that we see is other bro- brothers and sisters in Christ. We call people around us that are going to kind of repeat those voices. They're going to they're going to help help speak into yes, God God has said yes. Let's let me help bolster you. Let me help be there for you. Let me help pray for you. And I think we all need those few people in our lives that we can go to that we know they know us and they're going to call us on stuff too. Mm. They're not going to just let us go. Oh well, God told me this, and they're going to go. Okay, do whatever you want. You know, they're going to, they're going to um, call us on things too. And they're yeah. going to challenge us, but they're going to challenge us to move in, a, in God's direction. And then the voice that we have in the midst of our life. And this is the one that I think gets really difficult, at least in my background where, where we didn't spend a whole lot of time growing up talking about the, what the Holy spirit does, <laughs> but is that Holy spirit Yeah, is the Holy Spirit is alive and moving and guiding and directing and opening our eyes, drawing us into repentance and belief each and every moment of our day. Yeah. And yeah. so to be aware of God's hand, just as Jesus says, you know, my father's at work and I too am always yeah. working uh, to see that in the midst. And then he even says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so that you can even do even greater things. Yeah. And so, this, this, this move. And so if we focus on those voices mm-hmm. in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the d- difficult times, in the midst of those times when we just feel, we look and we don't see fruit. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I mean, you've been there, Leonard. Well, probably not you. You're, you're a phenomenal communicator, but I've been there at the end <laughs> of a sermon and I've gone, man, that was a dud. And, and you finish <laughs> And then people just start saying, wow, the Holy Spirit spoke through that. Yeah. The Holy Spirit spoke through that. Yes. And it's just another reminder. It's not my work. Yes. <laughs> it's God's. Yeah. And, and, and it's that reminder that, hey, God is at work here. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great encouragement to stay uh, connected to the vine. Uh, and what a great encouragement to, you know, Paul uses the word, uh, keep in step with the spirit mm-hmm. and uh you know that uh, imagery of marching in rhythm with the spirit of god is just so powerful and it produces something uh and that's the fruit of the spirit love joy peace and all those beautiful attributes of christ that come through our life um you you uh you said that uh satan the world and our flesh and i i wrote this down mm-hmm. um I think it might have been Eugene Peterson who said it that uh, the Bible was written uh, and God's work was was set in motion to destroy the status quo. Uh, you know, and he said when there was dark, he said light. When there was only sea, he said land. When the seas were empty, he said fish. When the earth needed fruit, he just de- he just destroyed yeah. the status quo quo with the word. And oftentimes when we say yes to God, it's because he's about ready to shake up the status quo. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in race, whether it's in uh, spiritual formation, uh, seeing a community of people transformed by the goodness of God, uh, allowing grace to enter, you know, um, I wrote a quote down the other day that uh, it's amazing how much of the messaging of our world is designed specifically to erase the messaging of God. Mm. And, and I think, um, I think that that is, uh, uh, as you talk about, you know, our world is broken and it fights against yep. us and we're broken and we fight against ourselves. And then you got this bully who lives on every block named Satan yep. who fights against us. And so I love your, your encouragement to go into the word, um, uh, and stay in the word and allow the word to live in you. Uh, that to me is amazing. Um, living in community, um, uh, I was just uh, talking with a pastor uh, a couple months ago who said, um, you know, that we get fellowship wrong. We think fellowship is that, that we sit together and we drink coffee and it's fun and we laugh and we talk about the Raiders. Not a lot to talk about this year, but Hey, we're still going to, we're still going to try. Too bad. We can't play the Broncos every week. I know. That's right. That's right. So um, we may not always win, but when we play the Broncos, we do. <laughs> Tell my Denver fans, there you go. Um, <laughs> and but fellowship is really a partnership, uh, sort of that whole picture of the Lord of the Rings when you know they got the the mm-hmm. ring sitting on that thing, and and they're all arguing over what to do with the ring and who will take it back. And Frodo steps forward and says, "I'll do it." And uh, and then you know you've got my sword, and you've got my axe, and you've got my bow. And the narrator says, and thus was born the fellowship of the ring. Something unique about fellowship took place at that pivotal moment. And so uh, with that, uh, can you take a second? And by the way, I'm, I'm way off track with any of our questions in case you didn't notice it. Um, (laughs) You, you studied anyhow. Uh, Can you, can you do me a favor and connect community and mission? Um, God is up to something in this world and it's not a new thing. Um, it's, it's, he, it's before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Uh, he's been in rescue mm-hmm. mode since Genesis three fifteen. Uh, right. Um, can you connect community and mission together as it, in, in how to say yes to both of those things? Because it feels like oftentimes, uh, in the church, I know as a pastor, I created a community that never led you to a yes to mission. Yeah, yeah. It led you to a yes to more community. Yep. And yep. Uh, that was part of the brokenness of my pastoring. Yeah. So can yeah. you connect the mission of God, the community? Could you talk about other people who speak to you? So I think it's important for us to, to look back, just like, like you said, that God's purpose, God's mission existed, pre-exists the church. Mm-hmm. It pre-exists. Uh, it, it, it pre-exists Israel. Mm-hmm. It pre-exists. It, it starts as soon as things are broken. God has a mission. Yeah. <laughs> we're go- we're going to fix it. We're mm-hmm. going to we're going to reconcile this. We're going to bring it all together. We're going to heal this. And what God does is, it's not so much. I think a lot of times we view that the church has a mission. When really the way we should view it is the mission of God has a church. Yeah. Yeah. Is 
there is a purpose and, a, and this idea of discipleship, this idea of we're calling people to follow Jesus because Jesus is the representation. If you've seen Christ, you've seen God. Jesus is the representation of the presence of God and the work of God here on earth. And so as we follow him in that work, we are the people, we're the fellowship of that ring. Mm. We're, we're following Jesus as we see disciples. And that's what discipleship is, is we're following Jesus. We go, hey, follow him with me. Let, let's yeah. do this together. Let's yeah. keep doing this together. Let's invite more people to do it with us. And so a lot of times we view kind of the church as the end goal of that mission when the church is really there to support the mission of God mm. and to follow along with the mission of God. We, we talk a, a lot about this. So here at Hope Center, we, we use uh, our phrase starts as we are God's family on mission. Mm. And it's the idea that the mission, it, it's not that God's family is given the mission. It's the mission has God's family. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, this is how we move forward together is moving in that mission of God. Yeah. And yeah. if we're just sitting around not doing the mission, we're still family, but we're not doing what God called us to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not even being who God called us to be because mm -hmm. God called us to be in that mission, called us to exist and live in that mission. Yeah. So, mission has a way of fixing dysfunction or at least Yes. Moving it down the priority list of, you know, my own personal, uh, my own personal agenda. I had a lady uh, come to me once when I was pastoring and tell me all the things that she had done in the church that she was a part of. And I, and I said, well, listen, I know that you um, have served Jesus well. And so I just would pause and say, thank you. Um, and I said, the second thing is, is that whenever somebody uh, wants to meet with me to tell me their resume, uh, what always follows <laughs> is their preference. Yeah. And, and I know you love Jesus way too much to tell me your preference over the needs of other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, oh, you're good at this, aren't you? <laughs> and we laughed and had a great breakfast. Um, but yeah, mission and family. I like that. Uh, the mission of God has a church. The mission of God has a family. Uh, that is a that is a, a life-changing uh, perspective. Yeah. And uh, it allows me to see my place in there uh, versus uh, feeling like I'm too small. Uh, yeah. Some beauty. Well, and it, we, we just did a sermon series on family and different mm -hmm. dynamics and family and all that. And um, we spend so much time talking about how the family exists to be strengthened and how it exists to be strong and how we need to communicate more and all these things. And what scripture talks about families is scripture, fam, family and scripture is a platform for discipleship. Mm -hmm. It's a platform to live out mission. Yeah, It says, yeah. you know, husbands love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church, yeah. you know, gave himself up for her. Live out your discipleship in your family. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what we're called to do. Just as in uh, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, uh, and he talks about singleness or marriage or this, which, which gift do you have? And we can get into a whole conversation about that. But really all he's saying is these are gifts. These are platforms for you to live out your discipleship. 
to live out your mission of following Christ and how how he would live if he had your life. Mm. And so we we just we lose sight and we start to think that that um, all of this is for us. It's all for us to get better. It's all for us to when really it's for us to follow him. And in in the midst of that, we'll be healed. In the midst of that, we'll be reconciled. In the midst of that, we'll be made new. Man, I love that. I I think, um, uh, you know, and I'm going to get in trouble for this possibly, but the the emphasis of the moral majority was that the the family needed to be protected, Mm -hmm. not led. Uh, Mm -hmm. It needed to be sheltered and, and since... And since uh, we were losing ground morally, uh, we had to fight harder and harder rather than uh, the family needed to be deployed, equipped, trained, and deployed into cultures and communities where uh, God is up to something, but we don't know because we're not in those places. Yeah. And, Whereas kingdom flourishes. Yes. You know, it, it, it's it, it, where, where his kingdom comes. And his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Um, not, you know, and, and, and this is another thing that I think as a perspective from someone who travels, you probably get this going to different countries, different continents. And when you travel and when you see the church at work in different areas, you see people just like the church should, they celebrate the gift of the country that God has placed them in. They celebrate the gift of the place that they're in. They celebrate the people that they live in. They celebrate the culture that, but they understand that's not what we're about. We're, we're about a totally other kingdom. And I think, uh, and I think it it doesn't just happen in the U S it can happen all over the world. But I, I think we start to, look at earthly cultures and mm-hmm. earthly directions and earthly movements instead of seeing the kingdom of God at work here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is such, that's just such good insight. Um, so let's, let's take and move that back. I have like 14 more questions that I wrote down here. Yeah. That I, I think we'll get to them. So you're just going to have to come back and we'll talk more. Um, you say, you say something about, uh, uh, three times you've mentioned it uh, about a <clears throat> the perspective of of God has been doing something for a long time. Uh, there is a history to our faith um, that is uh, you know, and in, in, it takes a beating in our culture today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just just heard somebody today trashing you know American uh, or, or evangelical Christianity and 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 the history of Christianity. Um, and yet, some of the most generous, courageous, beautiful people who've ever put their feet on the planet followed Jesus. Amen. And uh, the church is beautiful. And she goes where no one goes. And she loves who no one loves at her own cost. And she risks friendship with the world to tell the truth about becoming friends with God. And there's mm-hmm. something beautiful about her and will always be. Um, so what... Uh, what do you want to say, or what could you say, uh, to help somebody um, find their place in a story that God is telling? You know, we we teach a, uh, a hermeneutic, and the conclusion of our hermeneutic for our ministry is that the most loving thing you can do 
is to help somebody see where God is writing their story in his mission. It's kind of what Jesus said, you know, yet you guys, you guys killed it out there. I saw Satan fall, but let's rejoice that your name has been written into a story, Mm -hmm. part of a bigger story. So how, Mm -hmm. what's the way that you can tell somebody, I'm going to let you wrap up with this thought and then we'll conclude. Um, There's somebody listening right now who go, man, I don't feel like I'm a part of any story. Uh, The story I have for family is broken, you know, mom, dad, whatever, uh, the story I have in my own life is broken. I have, I've done way more wrong than good. Um, uh, the story I have in church is broken. Uh, the last church I went to, I couldn't connect. I couldn't feel, uh, I just live in a broken, how do you, would you say something to that person listening today? And from two perspectives to the person, but also to the person who says, I see myself as a part of God's story. How do I love that person? Um, how do you help somebody move to the place of saying, I am a part of a story that God is continually writing. And what a, that is the place of rejoicing that Jesus gave us. Yeah. Um, I, I It's interesting. I don't know if you meant to do this, but your transition into the question, uh, you started with an introduction of how the culture views the church mm-hmm. and, and many people in the culture view the church. It's very accusatory. Yeah. Uh, it's very dismissive. It's, it's, it's very um, suspicious mm-hmm. um, and, and all of that. In fact, I, you know, I've had people point blank tell me, I, I think most of the problems in the world are because of religion and specifically Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and the first step I, I would take for people who are following God's story and believe they have a place in that story and, and all that is um, I would encourage people to live that story. And when there are times, because the church isn't perfect, the church is made up of broken mm-hmm. people, is we need to embrace that brokenness and repent from it. Mm. instead of trying to defend it Mm, Um, what i find a lot of times is is people who are because we believe that we see that as an accusation against god Mm. because the church does have a place in his plan and so we we view that as an accusation against god when it really isn't it's it's an accusation of against people Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and we should be the first to go you're right yeah you're right the church the church really messed up the church has messed up in the past. The church, you know, just as there were strong believers who worked for opposition in World War II and and stood up against Hitler and what he was doing and hid uh, Jews, there were also church leaders who supported it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's ugly. Yeah. And and we need to be able to embrace that and repent that from that. Go, we're not. We don't embrace it saying it's right. We embrace it saying it's ours. And yeah. we'll repent from it. Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah. repent from that. Yeah. We're 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 just going to take that on, and and go. Oh, you're you're so right. And and that whole movement of repenting and then believing, moving, knowing that okay, I'm if I repent from this, God is going to forgive us. God does have something new, and He's still at work. So I'm going to move out believing that God still has a plan for His kingdom and His people, yeah. even because of that brokenness. And so, and, and I think that would model 
a lot better for the culture around us. What we're <laughs> asking people to do when yeah. they come to Jesus yeah. is, is if we just did it <laughs> and oh. we showed them it instead of talking about it yeah. and, and showed them what it looked like. So that's the first thing. The second thing is for people, um, I, I was in that boat. I mean, I, I moved out of my house in high school because of abusive situations that were going on in my house. And I moved out. I, um, I lived out of my car for a certain amount of time. I, uh, I tried to find family in sports teams. Mm -hmm. And so became a really good athlete and thought that would, this would be it. People will accept me. And I just found out that if I don't win, I'm, I'm irrelevant. And I was mm -hmm. like, ah, and, and, and it was just another beat down on that whole, do I belong here? And having that happen over and over and over again and trying to trying to find all these places to belong. And I actually grew up in church and didn't like it. I mean, I kept it at arm's length because I saw it as irrelevant. I saw it as, in some ways judgmental. I saw it in all those ways. But when I saw God work in a place in, in, in Mexico, mm -hmm. of all places, when I saw God at work and people changing and living different lives and celebrating people who had nothing praising God for all their blessings. Yeah. I was like, there's something to this. There's something to this. And that's where I just said, I'm sorry. I mean, my whole, my whole prayer to God, it wasn't the, you know, the, it was, I'm sorry, God. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and, and it wasn't until later that I even said, I'm going to follow you for now on. Mm -hmm. For now on, none of this other stuff matters. And so if if you're in that boat, if, if you're in the boat of, I don't feel like I fit, I don't feel like I have a mission, I don't feel like I have a place, don't give up. That's a huge, yeah. it's a huge one. Don't give up. Uh, grab on to the idea of repentance because it is in the midst of your brokenness that you're offered forgiveness yeah. and wholeness and healing and purpose. Mm. You know, Jesus has that wonderful line when people come up to him and go, why are you hanging out with sinners so much? This is the bud paraphrase. Yeah. And he turns to him and he says, it's not the doctors who need the healing. It's yeah. the sick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too much, uh, you know, both of us sitting here uh, can claim, can claim this title, but uh, I think it's too much. The church tries to act like doctors yeah. rather than we're sick and we're being healed. Mm. And at the same time, God is using sick and broken and being healed patients to heal more people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the beauty of this plan. Oh, man. I love the sentence uh, Jesus asked the guy at the, at the pool. He said, do you want to get well? Yeah. Um, and we need more people asking that question. Do you want to yeah. get well? Do you want to change? I always wrap up our time, but I'm so glad you were here. And I always learn more and more things. I took tons of notes. Um, uh, I always wrap up our time together with uh, whose yeses do you stand on? Uh, none of us got here alone. There's people in our life uh, who have uh, loved us, believed in us. They have uh, sent wind to our sails in such unique ways. And um, uh, who are the yeses that uh, Bud Locke is, is standing on? 
these days. Well, I, I'm going to say, even though we've mentioned her before, Cara. Cara's yeah. a huge yes. She's she's a person who, who's been there. Uh, I think early on, I talked about our youth pastor, Dave Hubbard was his mm-hmm. name. Great, great uh, man. He lives in lives out by you. He lives uh, just north of Atlanta now. Okay. Um, uh, and and I want to say this. This is it. it uh, is there was a woman, uh, still is she's she's around, uh, Margie Mullenkamp. Mm. And when I was a kid, and I'd go to church, and she knew that my family life wasn't great, and all these things, she would always walk by me and just look at me right in the eyes and say, "I'm praying for you." Wow. And that was, I mean, it was, it was, and and there were times when I was in junior high that I look at her and I go, "Oh, just get away, lady." And and she she'd always come up, big smile, "I'm praying for you." Mm. And it was one of those things where, you know, a lot of people go, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. You know, kind of, but her, you knew she was, and, Mm. and, and and it was a beautiful and it was a nuisance all at one time, you know, before I, before I came to Jesus, it was kind of both of those. Yeah. What a beautiful irritation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and, and I want to say you're yet. and, And, and I believe she took a yes to God. Yeah. That God said, pray for this kid. Yeah. Pray for this kid and keep praying for this kid. And she's still, when I see her now, in fact, we went to a memorial service a few months ago of one of her contemporaries, but, but we went, it was local, and she just walked up to me and just smiled and said, I'm praying for you. Oh, man. And to have, to, to say yes to God, to set yeah. aside time, to diligently, fervently pray for someone. It's a huge yes, and you don't know where where the fruit's going to go. Yeah. So, wow, those are some amazing, uh, amazing people. Um, I stand on your yeses, my friend. Uh, I know that's what friendship does, and I appreciate you. Amen. And uh, this, uh, whoever's listening today, is uh, take notes, take lots of notes, because uh, there's uh, just nothing but God's wisdom coming through. Appreciate you. Give Car a big hug for me. Tell the kids hi. Um, and, uh, and thanks, uh, man. Have a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely. You too. And, uh, thanks for joining us today on say yes and become.